Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of The Middle Seat, your best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm Andrew Roger, and I'm your local meteorologist because we've got a storm of great film discussion coming your way today. Let's meet my local team. He's bringing sunshine into your living room and into your hearts, Mr. Nate Lungarini. Uh, yes, the forecast tonight is going to be a nice solid 79 degrees with the potential for hail and possibly an inferno on the East Coast, but I think it's going to go further south. We'll see. It's funny you mention hail because coming at you like a hailstorm of mint Oreos and negativity, Mr. Jay Kensler. You always perceive me in this completely awful way. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love mint Oreos, so you got me there. I just need to f- find different ways to word the <laughs> negativity each week. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that one day. <laughs> anyway, if you're just joining us for the first time, the middle seats is your best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Our show is divided into three segments. We start the night off with some lobby talk, where one member of the crew will propose a topic and we'll just kind of shoot the shit about it. Tonight it's Nate's turn, and he'll get into that in a moment. Then we'll get into some movie news discussion and then move on to our feature review of the week. This week it is of the Gerard Butler disaster movie. In maybe a few ways than one. We'll get to that in a bit. Geostorm. So, Nate, I know you're running on a new uh, computer power over there. You want to tell the audience why you were so excited and felt the need (laughs) to gush to Jake and I for three minutes before the show about it? Well, uh, I'm very, very happy. I've had this new computer for a long time. uh, But just because of the location of my, my office here in the house, I can't run an Ethernet cable to my computer. So I've been going off these little dingy Wi-Fi adapters, which has been a pain in the butt because my internet speed has been super slow. But I finally installed a, a new card into my computer, and I have fast internet equal to my laptop and my phone that I've had for a while. So I'm very, very happy that the entire suite is up to speed. Uh, that's awesome, Nate. And uh, Jake, you want to tell the audience about what you discovered, that, that thing called Microsoft Word? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you can type things and <laughs> copy and paste, highlight. It's f- amazing. It's just amazing what technology can do these days. It really but, is. I can't believe the times we're living in today. Well, let's put that technology to use and let's get into our first segment, Lobby Talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. Alrighty, boys. So for Lobby Talk today... um. As I was thinking about movies that you'll put on for TV and you'll just enjoy or you'll have a good memory of. And that got me thinking about our favorite favorite movies from way back when. I'm going to call them our rose-colored glasses movies. The movies that, despite any flaws you might have, you just remember so fondly that you're going to give it a perfect score every time because you just love it so much. Either it's got some sort of historical connection to you, some sort of emotional attachment, something nostalgic maybe. What's your rose-colored glasses movie? Let's start with Drew. Um, The one that I remember fondly the most when I'm growing up, and this is hard because you kind of kept it 
very broad because it could be a good movie or a bad movie. And Guilty Pleasure is a whole different discussion, I think, definitely. Um, For sure. But this one specifically, um, I got to go with Lion King. Uh, I grew up with Lion King. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. I remember watching it in all different places. I would watch it at home. I watched it one time when we had to go to the hospital for an emergency. Me and my sister sat in the car and we watched it on our portable VHS player. Um, it was just one of those movies that was always present in my life. And its I do believe it to be very close to a perfect movie. There's some backlash to it. Um, people feel like it is just kind of a ripoff of Hamlet. Some people feel like it's a little bit overrated, especially with how massively successful it was. But that's a movie that, I mean, if it ever needed defending, that's one that I really, like, grew up with, especially. If we're staying on that Disney pantheon, I'll just throw in a little bit another mention. I have a really soft spot for Lilo and Stitch as well. Um, that's a movie that, again, I grew up with, um, and Stitch is one of my all-time favorite characters. So just thinking back to the past, those are the two that stand out the most, uh, that I'll go to bat for anytime. That's great. I, I'm definitely on board for Lion King. I love that film. Um, even rewatching it as a as an old man now, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm gonna enjoy it when I'm an older man. And who knows? Maybe maybe kids 20 years from now are still gonna be loving the Lion King. I think it's a great movie. It's a really timeless one too. Amen. Yeah, I hope it stands up to the you know our our kids and their kids you know after them for sure. But if you want to segue in, into me, most people who know me would think I'd choose Tarzan because Tarzan is a, is a great movie and it makes <laughs> me – Tarzan just makes me so happy. But I'm going to go with a movie that I am fully aware is not great. I just can't help but enjoy and that is Kangaroo Jack. Oh, get Kangaroo the hell out Jack. of here. I, I am well aware that is not a good movie. But I – when I went to see it in theaters – um. I was always I always like to know what certain movies got out of like five like what the what the newspaper said it got out of five stars and this got no stars so I went to see it already like what could this be about you know little <laughs> little eight year old me was like like I movie I don't critic this. Jake I love it I don't you were really this. into experimenting yeah so <laughs> I I I went and saw it and that movie slayed me I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen at like eight years old. And I was like, whoever gave it no stars is obviously does know what they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And I was all, I was all like hotshot about it. And I'm, I'm aware it was poorly marketed. I'm aware it's not a great movie. But when I watch it, it just, all of it goes out the window. I don't care. It's. Did your glasses come with kangaroo feces on them? Uh, <laughs> no, it came with a great Brooklyn red jacket. And I was oh sold. Oh my God. <laughs> kangaroo Jack. Kangaroo Jack is a movie that's theoretically about a kangaroo, but it's actually about the underground crime lords yep. of Australia. No, I <laughs> and I don't understand. I am how, well aware. I don't understand. And I'm well aware. We've watched he, it. He talks once. Like, it's marketed terribly. But when I went to see it, I was like, this movie's so funny. And it's, it's we've that's watched it. exactly I, what I wanted out of this topic. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear these kinds of movies. It's funny. You've it's, you've watched the movie since you could drive, and you still it's, like it. It's I don't funny, understand. It's action packed. It's humorous. It shut your brain off. Have a good time. And I know it's not a good movie, but I don't care. I enjoy it. Oh my god, <laughs> that's really really funny. What right. you got for Go ahead, Nate. Yeah. What's yours? <laughs> my like top nostalgic movie that I continue to watch every single year is The Sandlot. And we have a tradition in my house uh, where we start off every single summer by rewatching that movie, and. It is it is like the perfect summer movie. I love this movie to death. I love every scene. Everyone in our family can quote almost every single line. We just love it. But Nate, it's about sports. 
Yeah, I was going to say, plus you fill your sports requirement and for the year. That is, <laughs> an, that is a whole different uh, jack-in-the-box scenario there, because that is true. I am not a sports fan to our viewers. Um, I just don't follow it at all. But just this movie and just how they capture all the misadventures that kids that age go through, I think it's a timeless, fun, hilarious movie. Um, I feel like I was a couple years away from feeling the same way about Sandlot. Not because I dislike Sandlot or anything, but like I didn't grow up with it. Um, and I, so I don't have this hard nostalgia for it, but yeah, that's a movie. If I had seen it when I was seven or eight, man, I would have felt, I would have fallen head over heels for it. It's just one of those fun blast from the past movies. Uh, if we're, if we're going along Jake's lines, uh, since, since we're going to play this game, uh, I would defend Space Jam to the grave. You're not alone there though. You're not alone there though. See, I, that's one that I I would tolerate uh, as a kid and probably even enjoy as a little kid. But rewatching it now, I think we all rewatched it together, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did. It, we did. It, it wasn't great on rewatch. Oh, it's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. But I just I like I have such a soft spot for it. Um, just the blending of seeing these uh, NBA players mixed with the Looney Tunes was just such like a what LSD did somebody have to take to come up with that idea? And yet, somehow, it totally works as, like, this really great time capsule of the 1990s. It is the 90s incarnate, no doubt about that. Yeah. Back when they used to mix Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan in the Nike commercials. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think a lot of people would agree with you. It's a very – they have, like – they have, like, Toon Squad jerseys for, like, people our age and stuff like that. Like it's a, it's a They sell them movie. at uh, Spencer's and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty popular. Well, so is Sandlot. I, there's Actually, the you play ball like a girl shirt and the you're killing me small shirt that I, can't I see believe all they don't the time. Have a, a red Brooklyn jacket from Kangaroo Jack. I can't believe that, really. I, I wonder why, Jake. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Nate, I have some bad news for you. I've never seen the Sandlot start to finish, only in, only parts of it. <gasps> yeah. What parts have you seen? I, I've seen. Uh, have you gotten to the pool scene? Where yeah, when he fakes out the lifeguard? Yes. I've yeah. seen that. That's that's pretty great. It's I've gold. It's movie gold. There is yeah, no scene that's that. better than that. Pick any Oscar movie. Pick any movie ever. You can't top that scene. Period. Done. Uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> before you dig before you dig yourself yeah, in a I hole. Yeah, I beg to differ. Um, <laughs> I will say that The Sandlot really encapsulates childhood amazingly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a movie that definitely could stick with you like it does with Nate. Absolutely. It was designed to do that. I'm trying to think what, I, what I, else I loved when I was younger. I haven't seen them in years, but when I was a child, Land Before Time, loved it. <laughs> do you and you guys have a connection like that, Land Before Time? I saw them. Yeah, I don't like Land Before Time personally. I've never rewatched them as an me adult neither. and like <laughs> understanding how movies work. You know? Me, yeah, yeah, me neither. Exactly. That tri- that Triceratops character is just such a bitch. I can't deal with Sarah. Her. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Sarah. L- I don't know why that stuck yeah. with me. <laughs> Littlefoot. There was actually a kid on my high school cross country team who looked like Littlefoot. You started calling him that. No franchise has an excuse to have zero character development and have 12 sequels. Well, that's the beauty of dinosaurs. You can just throw in more dinosaurs and more characters, and then you're gold. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. It's ex- exactly like Pokemon. You just keep on adding characters, and nobody can stop you. <laughs> and then when you run out of things to do with them, you just send the meteor their way, and it's over. Uh-huh. Uh, I love it. All right. This is fun, boys. So that was a nice discussion about the movies that we have very high opinions of. And here are some movies that are coming up that hopefully we'll have high opinions of in the future. It is news. 
And this just in, a Newsbreak special report. This is I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So guys, did you ever watch, like, just when you were young, you were a little tyke, toddler age, did you ever watch Dora the Explorer? Eh. Uh, it's probably been on my TV at some yeah, point, yeah, but exactly. I don't quite remember like, it. I didn't sit down and watch it often, but I've, I've seen it when I was younger from time to time. I'm told that I was a uh, Barney me, kid. Nate, me too. Damn it. That's another one. <laughs> we are the same, another man. another one. Loved Barney. All right, you guys can stop growing <laughs> out. Uh, let's get back on track here. Uh, did you ever watch Dora the Explorer and go, she needs more midriff? That needs more explosions. There are not enough gears. Oh, God. I don't like where this is going, Drew. Donkey. Well, a Door of the Explorer movie is in production. It took a long time. Um, the show has been out since the early 2000s, so it's been almost 15 years. And the guy that you think of when you think of Door of the Explorer is aboard to produce Michael Bay. Now, it's not necessarily Michael Bay himself personally, but the director of the all five Transformers movies and the two Bad Boys movies, his production company platinum dunes is set to produce this film platinum dunes is the company behind the remakes of friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street texas chainsaw massacre a lot of horror stuff um the film is being written by nicholas stoller on top of that who wrote such r-rated comedies as forgetting sarah marshall and neighbors however his involvement is a little more excusable he's done works like storks the muppets and this year's captain underpants movie so he is experienced in writing some of these animated features. Assuming that Dora the Explorer movie will be animated, I don't think they ever clarified whether it will be or not. Okay, that's going to be my first question. Um, well, I don't see the big deal because, you know, uh, the first person I would have thought of for directing this would be, like, Lars von Trier or something like that. So, I'm obviously kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just don't understand why Michael Bay or his production company would have any interest in this. But... Okay. Yeah, like, we're at that stage where everything needs its own movie now, and unfortunately we're hitting that stage where a lot of animated stuff needs its own live-action movies now, right. so I'm very curious to see <laughs> what this ends up being. Because if it's a Captain Underpants-style thing, that's fine and Danny. Kids will enjoy that. But I don't think the kids that are watching Dora the Explorer need a live-action movie, and I don't think the kids or people our age who have watched Dora the Explorer need a live-action movie either. Yeah. I, I think it's a viable subject for a movie. I'm actually surprised that we haven't gotten one before. It's certainly popular enough, especially when we've seen... Yeah, I mean, I mean SpongeBob's gotten a couple. Yeah, SpongeBob's gotten a couple, and we've seen movies that, are, uh, that have come from properties that are less popular than this. Um, but yeah, I, th I think the marriage is a little interesting yeah. for sure, it, just to, <laughs> to word it in the least... Uh, offensive way possible. I wonder if someone at Hollywood took a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Just chalk this up to it's 2017, anything's possible. I guess so. Pretty much. It, it feels like all bets are off this year, doesn't it? Hey Amen. Like the last the last 18 months especially. Um, but I guess there's not too much to say about the story other than that we're just baffled by the choice, but this could be Platinum Dooms trying to expand well, their he filmography. he also did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? So I guess he's got some That's true. That's absolutely I true. I, I will say this. If they get Megan Fox to star as Dora the Explorer, I will get five IMAX tickets to see this movie. Oh, just to eat my own boot. Because <laughs> if that happens, I'd be I'd be blown away. I'm only going as Stanley Tucci's playing boots. <laughs> Stanley Tucci playing his characters, his two different characters. I, I love the Reddit comment of Mark Wahlberg being swiper. 
<laughs> That's wonderful. That, is, that would be fantastic. Michael Bay Swiper, does bring no a swiping. lot to this franchise. I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, oh man, say hi to your mother you for me. Brian Cranston his backpack. Oh my god. Okay, we can get in on our dream <laughs> casting another time. Uh, we'll have any updates on the Door of the Explorer movie as they come if they're absolutely ridiculous. But we'll get into something that affects us all in the real and now. We're going to be talking about the new phenomenon that is sweeping the film industry, the movie pass cards. Um, so these have been around for a while. They're these. It's a subscription-based service kind of like Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that, except it applies to your movie-going experience in the theater. You pay a certain subscription – per month, and you get to see one film every 24 hours, as long as it's not a premium, IMAX, or a 3D release. Uh, you're eligible for that. The price used to be 30 and since August, it has been $10 per month to pay for this card. That's borderline less than Netflix is for unlimited streaming at home. Um, but MoviePass is available at all theaters across the country, and its memberships have tripled, and probably even more, and they're still steadily climbing. Mine's coming in the mail soon. I know Nate and Jake are interested in getting one if you haven't already. Have you guys – do you guys have one yet? Uh, mine's in the mail as well. No, I'm, I have just been lazy and haven't done it yet. I would like to though. <laughs> Waste okay. of money. Well, yeah. Triple, triple people that are not as lazy as Jake have yep. the card. Um, and a lot of people asking, how is this company making money? Well, a new article in the Business Insider or an article that's come out in, in the last couple of weeks – um, have kind of given us a light of what their business strategic plan is. And MoviePass is simply trying to make money through the data that we use in our cell phone. So when you go to a movie, you have to check in on your phone. Um, and that makes the MoviePass app a very popular app right now. Um, the high subscription rates make it a valuable outlet for movies to market to. And the CEO of the company is hoping that the studio will use the app for targeting in the future, and that will hopefully bring in revenue. He's also hoping that this will end up being a full movie-going experience. So guys, when you go to the movies, you won't just be getting your ticket for $10. The price might go up to 20 but you'll be getting some kind of concession. You might get to pick your seat. He's hoping I can get that Mike and Ike's? Hopefully you can get your Mike and Ike's <gasps> date. Jake, you might be able to get your... what? Do you, what Junior Mints? Is that your favorite? Me? I can't remember. Oh, it varies. Yeah. I don't know. But AMC specifically is the one company having a hissy fit and Mr. Grumpy Gills <laughs> over this. They're worried that the expectations for the, for the theaters by the theater going public, will be spoiled by the company. Because think about it. If you're paying $10 a month um, and MoviePass goes bankrupt, what's bringing you back to the theater? They'll balk at having to pay the $15 per ticket again. So that's the worries from AMC. Um, this is a very complicated issue. Jake, Nate, and I have talked about this in the past, but what do you guys think about MoviePass's plan now that we have a little bit more clear understanding of what they're trying to do? Nate, we'll start with you. Uh, again, I'm all on board for this company. Um, you might hear some people get weirded out that our data is going to get given to other companies to figure out like what people are seeing and that sort of thing. But the way I see it, all of that information is taken by Google anyway right now. And everything that we do online is already tracked. So adding movie theater experience isn't too much of an issue and on top of that if anything the advertising is just going to get better to see more movies that i want to see in theaters so who knows we might see a bigger push for stuff like blade runner or other sci-fis once they realize that people that are using movie pass are seeing more less mainstream movies um, and less blockbusters so that might be cool to see in the industry if they take that into consideration when they advertise films 
Um, I'm all game for Movie Pass. I think it's a great idea, and I hope AMC gets on board too, because that's a lot of major theaters. To be to be clear, you can still use uh, Movie Passes at AMC's. Um, they're just pissed about it mm-hmm. more than anything, and they're looking for ways to legally block it. So right now, if you go to an AMC and you use your Movie Pass, it will still work, but it's only a matter of time, maybe until that doesn't. Oh, that's good to know. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that about Jake, AMC, what do you think? but um, yeah, I think Movie Pass is a really, really cool idea. I think it's definitely worthwhile once I get off my ass. Um, and I think the advertising thing is definitely an interesting, uh, interesting angle. Um, I was, when I first heard about it, I was like, I hope it's not like a, a soliciting thing. Like all of a sudden they get your, your, your information and they email you like 80 different things a week saying like, oh, you might like this, you might like that. Cause that annoys the hell out of me. Um, maybe I am negative. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it's a really cool idea and a really interesting idea. Um, and especially for those who who don't look like, you know, look at news or up, upcoming stuff like we might, getting notifications about that and things you might be interested in is a really good idea. Yeah, see, I'd, I'd take the soliciting if it still means I get my $10 per month. Yeah, like, yeah. No, definitely. It's, I just, wouldn't it's too good of a deal to pass up, especially the three of us go to the, the movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, at normal prices, we're spending $25 a week getting candy, popcorn, and a movie ticket, you know? Yeah. I think this weekend alone, I probably spent having I saw um, three separate movies, and I probably spent a total of thirty five, forty dollars. Um, and I can cut that down if I spread the movies out throughout the couple of days. If I just use my movie pass, mm-hmm. um, it's an absolute bargain. Even if you go to the movies two times a month, it's still worth it. Yeah. Um, so that it's a good price. It's a good deal. It's very interesting to see their strategy, and I'd like to see where they go forward. Hopefully, in six months, they might be this giant thing on the size of Netflix. But we have to move on. And we're getting to Halloween, guys. This is the last show before Halloween. Um, we'll be recording next week's episode around Hollywood Halloween time, so you won't be hearing it really until after um, Halloween. But we wanted to talk about what, what we think some of the big costumes are going to be this year. A lot of them are usually based off of movies, um, and there are plenty to choose from this year. What are ones that you guys are expecting to see a lot of? What's one that you are thinking about possibly doing that maybe came from some kind of pop culture? Um, Jake, is there anything in mind if you were to dress up that you would think about doing? Well, first of all, I think we have to give our listener, um, Amanda, a shout out for giving us two of these stories and wanting us to talk about them. So thank you for the input, uh, Amanda. Um, but as far as Halloween costumes go, for me at least, I have not put a lot of thought into them. The last couple of years I have because I usually around this time I'm growing a thick beard and then I shave it off to make it mustache based. I currently do not have that, so I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but what I could see kids dressing up as, you know, typically the superhero kind of stuff. How about this? What, which superhero this year do you think will be the most popular? Um, just DC-based. Like, like last year, um, Harley Quinn was really big. This year, I think Wonder Woman's going to be popular with girls. Wonder Woman's definitely going to be up there this year. Yeah, maybe yeah. even like Aquaman or for some biker guys, Cyborg for some people. Yeah, I think Spider-Man will get a, um If Spider-Man took a lull in the last few years, which I don't know if Spider-Man ever takes a lull, but especially right. with Homecoming this year, those will jump up too. Right. I can even see like a parent-child costume, like Vulture Spider-Man parent-child, that kind of thing. Oh, that's yeah. a really cool idea, actually. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Though, what is that saying about the fought, like the... Don't don't read too much into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when you see couples dressed up as Rick and Morty. Just don't think about it. <laughs> right. I appreciate you guys stopping me there. Yeah. Uh, Nate, what, what what do you think? Um, I think without a doubt, one of the most popular costumes you're going to see is it. 
just with the success of that horror yeah. movie and being so close to the holiday, there's no doubt that clown costumes are going to be in for sure. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. Other than that, one of one of my favorite ones that I've seen, though, um, is the ghost from Ghost Story. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Because Casey Affleck spent the entire movie, a, a ghost story under a sheet. Just seeing that as a costume would be really, really funny to see. And that's that's a good multi-purpose costume because if nobody gets it, you can just cut some more holes in it. You could just be Charlie Brown. Andrew, I <laughs> yeah, recall you, you saying you had a pretty good costume, correct? Well, I think this is one that I think, especially among film nerds, is going to be a really popular one, and that's any character from Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, I, if I were to do a costume this year, I'd like to be Baby because it's a very low-concept costume. Um, sunglasses, earbuds in your ears, and a really nice kind of... Uh, sophisticated not sophisticated but a nice like uh sport jacket um kind of like he wears in the movie and i think a lot of people would understand it uh it would also be interesting to see a lot of people if they would go as jamie fox's character bats because that big red coat he has is really Mm, kind of very expressive stands out the movie has really underrated costume design by the way now that i'm realizing that um even um deborah's character uh lily james's character deborah um the waitress that could be another costume that goes well if you were going to do like a group costume for based on Baby Driver. Yeah, um, sure. There's a lot of um, weird costumes that you could come f- that could come from a more obscure movies this year. Like uh, if if anybody went and really saw Valerian and was into it, that could be one. Uh, Charlie Charlie Theron's character from Atomic Blonde. I could see people dressing up as that. Um, if people want to really play with fire, they could be Caesar from War for the Planet of the Apes. Speaking of hairy costumes, uh, we forgot about Logan as a potential superhero. Oh, that could be a good one, too. Uh, as Wolverine there, that'd be interesting. Yeah, good family costume there with, you can get X, uh, <laughs> X, X-23 as <laughs> a little girl. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if I'd see the eight-year-old see Wolverine right away, but hey, who knows? You could bring your drunk uncle, make him Caliban. <laughs> Um, Beauty and the Beast will be another big one this year. Yeah, that's a good As a point. couple's costume, definitely. Yeah, I don't think that ever really went away. But anyway, there, those are there's going to be a lot of costumes that you're going to go out and see. Yeah. Um, try to give everybody compliments. Most of them worked hard on their costumes. If you think it's if you think their costume's ridiculous um, and is deserving of a hurricane sweeping it away, then let them know. Speaking of a hurricane of different costumes this year, that'll do it for our news segment, and it's time to blow into our review of Geostorm. Oh, you stretched that one. The Senate committee will now hear from Jacob Lawson. May the record reflect that he was nearly one hour late. Sorry about that. I literally had to fly in from outer space. Mr. President, one of our thermospheric satellites malfunctioned over Afghanistan. This wasn't a malfunction. It was intentional. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A Geostorm. That was a snippet of the trailer of Geostorm, which was directed by Dean Devlin, who I assumed was a six-year-old with a crayon, but apparently he's worked on a bunch of Roland Emmerich films. Um, Geostorm starts in the distant year of 2019, ooh, two years from now, and the environment is threatening the world. The polar ice caps are melting, um, and a bunch of storms, God basically said, screw it with the world, and a bunch of natural disasters are coming down and killing a bunch of people. So to combat this, the world came together, and they built... Dutch Boy, a weather moderation system up in outer space. Jake Lawson, played by Gerard Butler, is the head of this project. Several years go by, uh, Lawson is kind of washed up, and Dutch Boy becomes compromised. Someone is taking out uh, different countries 
with disasters one by one, and it's up to Lawson and his brother to stop it. Uh, Geostorm also stars Jim Sturgis, Abby Cornish, Andy Garcia, and for some reason, Ed Harris. Now, this movie has moved its release date four separate times. It originally was slated for March of 2016, then it was pushed back again to October of 2016, then it was pushed back again to January 2017, and now it is finally arriving to us here in October of 2017. That's about a 15-16 month swing. That really puts something in perspective, doesn't it, guys? Um, We'll get into why in a second. I think we're all on the same page here, but I'd be shocked if we weren't. Uh, Why don't you start with Jake? Jake, what did you think of Geostorm? Yes, please. So first (laughs) off, this is not even that much of a disaster movie. It's a mystery for the first half. Thank disaster you. hardly happens. <laughs> Thank you. But but also, I have a I have a greatest joke for this movie. So first off, it's not even a disaster movie. It's hysterical that the lead character's name is Jake, me. And it's not a disaster movie. It's Technology Problems, the movie, starring Jake. I loved it. <laughs> oh loved it. my goodness, this, I didn't put that the together. The first half of this movie either. is yeah. just things not working. That's all the first half <laughs> You're is. You're right, it's, yeah. It's things not working and them wondering what's going on and how to fix it. The difference is that this Jake is supposed to be able to know how to solve those problems. You have well, no right. clue, Jake. Well, You're right. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> it's, it's literally troubleshooting the movie. You're right. But I was getting a kick out of that for the first half of the movie. I was like, this is technology problems, the movie starring Jake. Excellent. <laughs> um, so I had to bring that up. But the most – the thing that surprised me the most about this movie is – disclaimer, not that it's, it's, a, it's a bad movie. That's not what surprised me. What surprised me – is that it was boring for most of it. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go over my initial thoughts here. My my biggest takeaway is that if you've seen any sort of generic action blockbuster in the last 10 years, you've seen this movie. It is so predictable from start to finish as to Super. what's going to happen to the point where some of the plot twists that occur in the movie surprise me because they went for this most easy, boring solution to whatever mystery it was. Every turn. This is one of those movies where you can literally just look at the cast list and p- figure out st- spoilers. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, yep. <laughs> so, um, just, like, quick highlights. Um, the disaster scenes are fine, if not if expected. That. Like, the, the CG is pretty um, standard, from what I can tell. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was blowing my brain out of my I skull or anything that. like that. Um, I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty bad. Really? I th- All um, right. Well, you can you can yeah. talk about that then, Drew. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start kind of from the beginning. Uh, from the opening scene, this movie's setup does not even like try to convince me. Um, we start in this boardroom, kind of like hearing. Um, and Jake Lawson, who's supposed to be this big, highly regarded world saver guy. Why is everybody pissed at Gerard Butler in this movie? Um, like, excuse knows, me. Man. That's a great point. Excuse me. I made a thing that saved the world. How about you show me a little goddamn respect? Everyone treats him like shit in this movie. Even his brother, Jim Sturgis, who is probably the worst to him. The two of them look nothing like brothers. Uh, Sturgis has this weird, like, Italian New Yorker accent. But they say that both of them are from the UK. So why can't they just be from the UK? Why does he have to have this weird accent? Um... From the beginning, this movie does not know what it's doing. Um, And Jake, you 100% nailed it when, look, I can take dumb. I can take dumb at any point. But what I cannot take is dumb and dull. And this movie is boring. 
95% of this movie are people explaining things to other people. There are more conference calls in this movie than an average day of work. Yeah, I agree 100%. And what baffled me was it had this weird paradox where the movie was boring, but everything was moving so fast. This is a movie that follows kind of like the disaster cliche that we have to follow a whole bunch of different stories in different locations to have some sort of emotional investment to all of the natural disasters going on. So we see like brief snippets of some sort of conflict, whether it's between the characters, between the nature and man and whatnot, but they don't dwell on anything. So we're constantly moving to the next thing. And you think that all that fast paced action would make for at least an exciting movie, if not a nonsensical one. But it's boring on top of moving incredibly quickly through every single aspect of its plot. It's, it's a shame. It's a Nate, shame. Nate, I, I picked up on that that exactly. There was a point where after half, after halfway, there was only one other person in the movie. So I And he was sitting like a little bit ahead of me. So I didn't mind. I checked my phone a few times because I was like, this is – I found myself literally looking around the theater. Like, like when you're bored in class, you start looking around the room to count like the ceiling tiles. I started doing that. I'm like, I am not interested at all. And yet no scene lasted more than like a couple minutes. I'm like, I'm almost impressed how they did that. See, I was paying attention, but I, it was just because I was baffled by some of the things they were doing. Um, and those specific things I'll get there, into more. There in is the one scene section. I can't wait to talk about in spoilers because I literally, my hands went up in the air. <laughs> that happened to me twice in this movie where I literally had hands up in the air and um, I audibly pissed off the person behind me because they couldn't see the screen for a half second. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the biggest, like, this movie takes itself so seriously. It has no sense of fun. Yeah. It thinks it is the highest drama in the world. Oh, I would disagree with that. I think Jared Bar- Butler looks like he's having fun. Okay, um, but he's he's the master of this at this point. I guess so. Um, and, like, there's a couple of one-liners in there that, granted, don't make sense as jokes in the context of the scenes that are in. It's not a humorless movie. I know, but, like... It puts so much into the characters and so much into the actual plot mechanics that Jake's right. We don't get a storm until what? Maybe 40 minutes into the movie? Yeah. Is that a little too long? Yeah. And then <laughs> once the storms happen, they go away almost immediately to move on yeah. to the next plot point. <laughs> and, and these storms are not taking place near any of our main characters. Here's the thing about I don't love The Day After Tomorrow, which we'll talk about at another freeze frame. Um, I don't love Independence Day. I don't love 2012, all of Roland Emmerich's films. First of all, he has a sense for spectacle that Dean Devlin just simply does not have. The CGI in those films is leaps and bounds better than the CGI in this film. And none of the main characters are near any of the action. They're not near any of the peril until the very end. And that's, that's a problem because in those other movies, which are still not great movies... Our main characters are actually in trouble doing for most of it. Mm-hmm. They're doing something. Instead, we're just watching as primarily, and I'm not, I'm not going to make this a big thing, but primarily brown people and Asian people are getting taken out by these storms. Huh. I did not yeah, pick up on that. Great point. It is. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a lot of spectacle, but no sort of emotional attachment to our main characters whatsoever. No, none at all. None at all. Like, and like they're trying. <laughs> too. That's the thing. They're putting a lot of effort into that. You know what's interesting? Actually, Nate brought up a good point with Gerard Butler. He actually is one of the only fun things about this movie. He generally seems like he's just kind of not taking himself too seriously, but like he's giving it a go, but he's not giving it like a 300, 
movie kind of go. But I'd yeah, I'd say Ed Ed Harris isn't bad either. Like he never does a bad performance. That's He's fair just too. kind of typecasted That's at this point. Too. He's playing Ed Harris. Yeah. But if we're talking <laughs> yeah. casting, I gotta I gotta say that Jim Sturgis was awful here. I a hundred percent agree. He seems like he was trying to hold back a snicker every single time he talks. I just don't know what the what the hell he was doing with his voice the entire time. He is fr- the characters from the UK. Just be British. <laughs> and and the drama that his character is involved with, either with his fiance or with his brother, almost all of them follow the same uh, the same argument structure, where he says, "You have to." Uh, listen to me, or you have to do what I say. Um, the person he's arguing with says, why would I do that? And the person says, because it's the right thing to do. And then the person he's arguing with says, okay, I believe you. And then that's the end. <laughs> and we see this exact same structure at least 10 times throughout the movie. Yeah, copy and paste for 80 oh pages. Oh my God, it is, it is atrocious. And I was rolling my eyes. I was looking away from the screen. I was like counting down the minutes to get out of those scenes because they were just so bad. Although if you want to talk more positive yeah. acting, the the com- his his girl computer hacker friend, I actually enjoyed her. She was fun. Uh-oh. See, I found her really annoying. Really? No, I thought yeah. she was fun. That's That segues me into my next point, which is it's shocking that this movie was not written or directed by Michael Bay. It has all of his trademarks. In particular, the record scratch awkward humor, especially with that character. That character... You want to talk about repeating patterns. That character was there for to say some techno babble, the music to swell, then for her to say like a corny line, for the music to drop out like a record scratch and repeat over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So so maybe she wasn't written well, but I had fun with her in general. I thought she was okay. I think I just thought the writing could not salvage her for me. Oh, well, yeah. The, whoever wrote this it, it should never be hired again. <laughs> I think acting-wise, um, acting-wise, Gerard Butler... If he handed in a resume right now, is Gods of Egypt. So, okay. Oh he's boy, doing wow. okay here. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Andy Garcia as the president, actually. He has my favorite line in the movie, which I'll get into in spoilers, but it's in the trailer, so I'm not going to – don't sweat it too much. Just watch the trailer. Yeah. And one of one of Andy Garcia's only lines in the movie is my favorite <laughs> that he does. And Ed Harris does Ed Harris things. He's fine. Abby Cornish is fine. The character is just a mystery um, and does some unspeakable things. That we will get into in spoilers. I think this, what I'm trying to say is we should get to our ratings here so we could just really dive in here into the equator of this movie's problems. Yeah. Jake, Jake, what do you give Geostorm? And why don't I run down the ratings real fast? Um, Yeah, do that. Royal Throne, Plush Recliner, Wooden Chair, Damp Lawn Chair, Sleazy Outhouse. Those are the movie, those are the ratings that you can get. Uh, I feel like we're going to trend towards the bottom here. I'm just taking a prediction, but Jake, what do you give Geo? You know what happens when you assume, yeah, but right? the only <laughs> thing being made an ass out of here is this movie. Um, so every show that we've done, I've given either wooden seat or plush recliner. That is changing today. I'm going with damp lawn chair, but it's like a damp lawn chair next to the outhouse. <laughs> like it's not a seat you want to be sitting in, but it's not the worst seat. Would you recommend theaters too? Would you give this the bag of popcorn? No. <laughs> no, don't go see this in theaters. <laughs> you God, just said no. you you said you like the CGI though. It was fine. It wasn't bad. I'm not going to recommend you because it wasn't bad. The thing about the bag of popcorn thing is, if you feel like it's at least visually nice, if you were to recommend it, okay, fine. Still no. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Still no. <laughs> okay. So the one thing you were supposed to get right, you got eh. 
No, I'm not recommending you to theaters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm also going to give Geostorm a damp lawn chair. Uh, just the plot is weird. The characters are really, really bad. The writing's awful. The CG's fine. There's actually some nice attention to detail at, in terms of the technology that they use on the space station that's kind of cool. Like, oh, that's a nice way to launch a satellite or have an airport in space, I guess. Um, it's, <laughs> it's visually entertaining in that regard, but this is this screams FX background movie to me that you can watch at home. Don't see it in theaters. Oh, not worth it. If that. Um, yeah, just damp lawn chair. Don't bother with this one. Oh, man. Um, the technology thing, and in theory, I agree with, but that all depends on the timeline of this movie because if this movie takes place in, like, 2021, which I don't know if we're supposed to assume that or not. I don't know when we're supposed to assume this movie exi- uh, takes place. Does it say at any point? I think it's supposed to be, like, because I think it's six months later, so I guess, three like, years, 2020 Three years later. I just looked it up. Oh, it was, so, oh, it was three? Three. So we are going, oh, so we're going to achieve... All of this in 2020. I, if you're really okay. basing your rating off of just the techno years attached to this movie, I think you can find bigger flaws, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. And here's what I'm basing my rating off of. I can take stupid, but I cannot take boring. And my hand was in my cheek for the majority of this movie. Um, if if it had done something to wake me up, there is one set piece towards the end that I was just like, that was passable. There are a couple of little moments where I was like, okay, that's that's a little cute. But overall, this movie, it's a disaster in pretty much every sense. It feels like a movie that has been reshot from start to finish. Gerard Butler's hair and facial hair changes in this movie color-wise and length-wise from scene to scene <laughs> over and over again. And this is a movie that it's it's Fantastic Four Syndrome again with Kate Mara's wig. I'm going to give this... There's there's a couple of things that I like, so it's not absolutely irredeemable. I'm giving it a sleazy outhouse, though. It's wow. the sleazy outhouse that gives you shelter from the storm, so it's not a completely smelly piece of shit, but it's a sleazy outhouse nonetheless. It's in my bottom ten right now. Wow, he went there. That is the official first sleazy outhouse of yeah. the show, guys. Congratulations, I guess. Nice. <laughs> and it's well-deserved, and we'll get into here more why it's well-deserved um here in our spoiler section if you have not seen geostorm you can drop out now but i invite you really to come in with us because you're not going to see geostorm yeah, let, anyway let's let's hear how bad this movie is in spoilers let's do it whoa oh spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert excuse me spoiler alert so guys it's ed harris like Look at the cast list. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Look, look at the cast list. It's not Andy Garcia. It's not because you spoiled that in the trailer. It's Ed Harris. Like, 100%. Why? What is Ed Harris trying to do? It's a little stupid. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's kind of a lot stupid. Uh-huh. But, you know. Somebody explain to me what Ed Harris is trying to do in this movie. Just so you can articulate for the audience what <laughs> happened. He is trying to uh, take out all the countries in the world using natural disasters to blame it on Dutch Boy then shoot the president with a rocket launcher during a thunderstorm so he becomes president of the United States with no other countries left to oppose him. <laughs> How have autopsies gone in the last couple of years from 2017 to 2020? Because I think doctors can probably find out the difference between a missile launch and a lightning strike. Well, I don't know. That's just to me. To play slight devil's advocate, the lightning strike was last minute when the president's getting away. So I don't think that was essentially part of the plan. 
He wanted to leave the president in Florida to die by lightning strike and have all of the country's enemies destroyed by some other natural disaster. And then, bam, he's in power, which I feel like there's definitely another way to go about it. But I digress. Maybe just run for office. (laughs) (laughs) Or that. I really love how his I love how his guys snuck a missile launcher past uh, Democratic National Convention security. In the trunk of a car, no less. It was ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And, And the other guy. On the space station, what what was his big motive? I love that when people are like, oh, I want to get rich, and I'll help you destroy the world, but I'll be rich. Right. Like, dude, there's not going to be anything. And, and I mean, Gerard Butler, to his credit, says this. Yeah. It, there's nothing going to that be That was left. a plot twist that surprised me on how badly they went to the script. Because they introduced the British guy as the asshole. So I'm assuming, oh, they're going to make him be the asshole, so that way it gets this twist later that he's not the villain on the ship. And then he ends up right. being the villain uh, on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an anti-twist. Exactly. <laughs> um, my biggest complaint with the characters of this movie is that everybody feels like an intern. All the people in the stage on the spaceship <laughs> have no idea how the spaceship works. All the people on the ground have no idea how anything on the ground works. Like, um, how do we uh, disable Dutch Boy? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Like, just nobody knows what they're doing throughout the whole movie. And the amount of times that Gerard Butler's character says, when we built Dutch Boy, is off the charts. Because he ends up being the one to explain (laughs) the plot to most people, or like at least the course of action. And he starts every other scene with, when we built Dutch Boy, we included X. And then we go to that part of the ship. It's ridiculous. Uh, But the the movie actively makes him an idiot. There are scenes that are specifically there to show he does not know where things on this ship are. Exactly. It's like all over the place. What are you doing? Is he is he the creator of Dutch Boy and the big super genius, or is he an idiot? Mm-hmm. You need to make up your mind. Um, getting back to like their whole the whole plan and the whole like how to shut down Dutch Boy. So the president, this president specifically, is the only person that could be the kill switch for this. What happens if this president dies in a way where he can no longer use his fingers and eyes in a situation like this? Happens? And they went through the, the whole plan? Um, thing that multiple countries made this thing possible. So why is only the U.S. president able to shut it down if 20 other countries built Dutch Boy? Because plot, yeah. Nate. Because plot. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that the the the, uh, the geostorm came with a, an hour and a half timer just so just in case this ever happened. Oh my god. And then when you fix it magically, everything goes away. <laughs> yeah. There's no consequences for the actions minus I don't know the millions of people that are dead. Right that. <laughs> <laughs> um one one slight positive I want to talk about that I think for the people who do go see this, to me it sounded like it was pretty like anti-global warming, like global warming's bad. So, good for you for saying that. But I'm not going to continue on positives anymore because there aren't many. <laughs> yeah, other disaster movies have done a much better job. <laughs> oh, I know. I was going to say, you don't get points for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I didn't give it points. I just didn't take it away. Um, <laughs> um, Jimmy, you got a zero, but you didn't get a negative one. <laughs> right. Um, so what were what were the scenes that you guys literally threw your hands up in the air? Because mine, uh, what, what's, what, what was his name? He was going to – the. The kid that they were friends with, who finds out about all this stuff first in the first half of the movie. Do you remember oh, his name? The, glasses. The glasses guy from yeah. uh, China? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Okay, so anyway, I don't, I don't, let's just say guy with glasses, friend. He's off to tell, he's off to tell, um, 
the two Abby Cornish and uh, Jim Sturgis is his name, right? Yeah. He's off to tell them like the big reveal, something really bad, and they're waiting for him. He literally walks off a curb, and whoever the henchman is pushes him in front of a car in a crowd of people, and like nothing happens. Well, he dies, but there's nothing happens to the bad guy, right? Right. He yeah. gets hit by a car <laughs> no. and dies, and then nobody nobody sees anything. Nobody questions it. It's like nothing really. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing about that scene, and that wasn't the specific part of that scene. This movie is extremely sloppy yeah. in very basic things. Um, so he gets pushed in front of the car. The next shot is Jim Sturgis running towards him. Then the next shot after that is Abby Cornish's character. But like, it's like somebody didn't tell her that she was on camera and she was like on break looking at her phone because she's not, the character's not acting shocked or anyway, anything. She's like walking across the street. Like she's just looking at her phone <laughs> or like she's about to call someone. And that editing was so sloppy that for a split second, I thought she was the one that pushed him or she was in with the people that pushed them and that she was about to turn bad. But no, she goes after them to try right. to shoot at them. As they get into a car like, driveway, yeah. I, I wish I, could, I wish I had this video for you guys just so I could show you what I'm talking about. But that sequence confused the yeah. hell out of when me he, for like when 10 he, seconds. When, mm-hmm. the, when he actually gets pushed in front of a car and then there's no repercussions to the pusher, I was like, what? Nobody says anything? Nobody says stop that man. Nobody grabs him. Nobody says it was this guy. Nothing. Everybody just stands around like, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> My hands in the air scene was the Skype call where the two brothers were talking about dad's Why? fishing trip. Why that one? Now, yeah. They yep. set this up the scene after, to its, the movie's credit, where uh, Gerard Butler's character needed to talk to his brother in code to make sure that um, the whoever was setting him up on the base on the space station didn't know that they were onto him sort of thing. But the entire scene is, it followed that whole argument formula that I was talking about earlier and just made no sense. And when you think about it, why on earth couldn't Gerard Butler's character just say, Hey, somebody tried to kill me on the ship. Be careful because the guy who was already trying to kill him knows so you don't need to keep it a secret to your brother, right? It's I I think it was less about him keeping it a secret and more like protecting the brother. I, uh, I don't know. Letting him operate in the shadows a little bit. But I, I agree that the, the code itself is amazingly convoluted. And then the like, fact that he needs, he recognizes, huh, my brother's speaking in code. I should just count the words that he says or go to my hacker friend <laughs> who does it for me with a computer program just to look cool. Like, it's not a hard code. You just need to count out words in a call that you have. But he does it anyway. Um, there was there the one, like, the sloppy filmmaking continued. This was the moment for me that was just, it felt backwards. So they realized they have to kidnap the president because they need his kill codes. So they have to get him off the stage at the DNC. So her plan is to shoot her gun up in the air and get the Secret Service moving. Except, she calls shots fired over the radio before shooting her gun. Like, hello? aren't other Secret Service agents looking (laughs) to see who shoots? Well, that that was my thing. I thought thought she reported a gunman and then shots fired. Like, I thought she said, like, she saw someone with a gun and then shot 
shot the, the ammo. Either way, she's standing in the middle but, of the crowd. Some no, secret yeah, service that was my thing. My thing her. was like, are there not people next to her who see her firing into the air? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. what am I missing <laughs> as a viewer watching this? See, I heard I heard shots fired. That that could put a different perspective on it for me. But <laughs> just like, why even bother doing it in that order? Like, and why when, even give me that confusion? Just have her shoot the gun and then yeah, say shots yeah, fired. Yeah, I think the, the audience video. will figure it out if you do it that way either way. <laughs> um, and the the other part that I was like, I was a little conflicted with this part. Because when it first happened, I was like, get the fuck out. But it's followed by what I think might be the one-liner you're talking about, Andrew. She, she was like... Time to get rid of. T- uh, I got to take care of something or whatever. So she's driving um, her fiance and the president, and she does this. All of a sudden, it turns into Fast and Furious, and she flips the car backwards, or, or so it's driving backwards, takes out the driver, <laughs> flips back, and and I was like, one that I was like, that's absolutely ridiculous. She's a regular Secret Service person. That I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that. And, but it was saved by the president looking at uh, Jim Sturgis and going, "Marry that woman." Yeah. Yeah, that was the best line in the movie. And it's in the trailer. There were like after they capture Ed Harris, um, him and Andy Garcia have a talk and he's like, You don't understand my plan. And Andy Garcia goes, What do you mean? And then he looks at the guards and goes, Let him go. Like, no, he, he yeah. can still talk to you. You, <laughs> right. you can still hold his arms back. Yep. Like, why do you have right. to like, I have to stop yeah. eating. I can't hear my TV. Like, what? I feel like we could go on for this an hour for hours. <laughs> so my my final my final gripe before we do final thoughts is um, the the daughter character was atrocious in my opinion. She's what 10, 12 years old and Maybe. talks like she's 18 with the with the classic oh you're a bad dad quips. You're unreliable. You have to prove yourself to be a good father to me by the end of the movie because that's what disaster movies do. We have horrible father figures and then you need to solve this problem by the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's so cliche and she's so bad. I did not like her at all. <laughs> See, the movie even forgot they, that she was in it, though, because she's not. She's in it the first fifteen minutes, yep. and then doesn't <laughs> yeah. show up again until the climax. He he mentions he's like, I have a daughter to save, and it's like, oh yeah, you do. That's right. Also, one, and I, I agree, we gotta wrap this up. But one little thing that I thought was kind of funny, and it's not a really big deal. I just thought of it when the movie ended. Geostorm doesn't happen. Yes. Like, and I, I know that I know that, I know that's kind of the point. It, but I was like, this this whole big thing that they're building up to, which I guess is good. It would have been the end of the world, but like, it doesn't happen. What the hell is the poster? It's a right, that also rip happen. off of the inception poster too. It's the exact same font, the exact same pose. The papyrus. He is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is he's in space the entire movie. Yeah. So why, there's, a, I don't there's a million and one things wrong with this. Movie. Um, the, the only th- the only moment of disaster that made me like go like, Oh crap. There, this, 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 Arab man and his camel get <laughs> fucked up that is, by yes. a wave. It's, it's tragic, but it's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. <laughs> That's, that was the only moment I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> he turns around, it's there. Like, you didn't, really? You're in the middle of the desert and you don't hear water coming? <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> hey, you're in the middle of the desert and you don't hear a tsunami coming. Yeah. Bullshit. Jake, take us to the water with your final thoughts. <laughs> They're just, now that you're reminding me, there are just so many things about this movie that I was like, come on, stop it. This must be a movie where, where produ- producers see the first cut and go, oh, damn it. Like, oh, what, do we, what do we do? Let's just get it right, out. Right, exactly. Whoever the head, head producer is decides, well, I know where this is going. It's a tax write-off. <laughs> 
those are my final thoughts. Don't go see this. There's no point. Don't even see it drunk. It's it's a waste of time. I I only had to pay five bucks, and I was still a little annoyed about that. For me, <laughs> like this movie, just it doesn't deliver on any anything character wise, plot wise, spectacle wise. There's not enough disaster to call it a disaster movie. It yeah, it's not even rushes that. through every single action that it does, whether it's drama between the characters or whether or not there's going to be a geostorm at the end of the movie. Everything's rushed. Nothing's developed. Not a good movie. Not worth your time. Um, throw it on in the background if you're really desperate for something, but you can do a lot, lot better than geostorm. There's an episode of The Simpsons, and it's early in The Simpsons' run, where uh, Bart, is, he is, he's in trouble of flunking and having to repeat the fourth grade again. And the teachers have so low expectations for him, he tries really hard to study, and he tries really, really hard, and he still gets an F. And he still gets an F. And Geostorm <laughs> is Bart Simpson. It's this movie that you already had really low expectations for, and it still finds a way to be worse than you expected. Just because it is, and this is the word of the day, folks, it's like Pee Wee Herman's secret word, it's boring. Yeah. It's not fun to watch. It's dull. And that was that was the most shocking thing for me. We got to a halfway point and I was like, wow. If if you if you see this on FX, just go look for Mr. Deeds or one of the other six hundred cable movies that play. <laughs> yeah, Nate, I actually disagree with you. I can't even think of a reason to watch this movie. Even if it's on in the background, find something else to put on in the background. I'm gonna challenge you a little then. Why why damp lawn chair then? Why not sleazy outhouse? Because it because I as bad as it was, I didn't hate it. Okay. I gotta hate it to throw it at Sleazy Outhouse. Yeah. I didn't hate it. It's just it's not good and there's no reason to watch it, but it could have been worse. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Okay. That'll do it for our review of Geostorm. But before the clouds start to fade away and the sun sets on this episode of The Middle Seats, Nate Lungarini, where can the good people find more from us? So here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at The Middle Seats. And our email for any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show is at themiddleseatshow at gmail.com. Anything you can do to help the channel grow is really appreciated. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you want to see more. If you haven't checked out our spinoff show, Freeze Frame, please check that out. Last week, we talked about The Sixth Sense, M. Night Shyamalan's classic. This week, in the spirit of Geostorm, we'll be reviewing possibly a better disaster film, Roland Emmerich's 2004 the day after tomorrow. Next week on the main show, we'll be reviewing the George Clooney dark comedy, Suburbicon. For everyone here at the Middle Seats, for Nate Lungarini, for Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.